Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is Jessie Too. And I'm Helen Stenbeck. And you're listening to another episode, our last episode for the month of July of Asian Bitches Down Under. Hey, Helen. Hi, guys. It's the end of July. There's yeah. something poetic about the end of July. Like, oh, I, I don't know. I just, like, I have a short story that I wrote two years ago, and it's called The End of July. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it must be... It must be because, like, I don't know, like, my my birthday is in the month of August, and uh-huh. I just feel like there's something monumental about the end of July. Anticipation towards the birthday? I don't know, but doesn't it sound very, doesn't the end of July sound very monumental to you? Or is that just me? Uh, it feels like there's only one month of winter left for us. Oh, well, that's how I okay. feel. Yeah, I right. don't know about, okay. I mean, yeah, in Southern Hemisphere, for all the listeners out there. So mm-hmm. we only have one month of winter left. Yeah, it is monumental, yeah, I right. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when does our spring start? Is in it September? September. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, I realized. Yeah, I I don't think in like maybe this is very Australian, but or mm-hmm. at least like an inner city Australian thing. Because I definitely know that regional and rural farmers, are, you know, they take note of seasons. But yeah, I don't take note of seasons at all. Oh, okay. You know, like I feel like in winter in a, in Sydney is the same as. Maybe not uh, like that's because you're precisely, in, but it's that's just... where you live. I think it's, it's such a big differences of the way I live. You know, that I have to like have fireplace and then. Oh really? I love summer. Okay. Yeah, I, I totally prefer summer over winter. Yeah. Oh okay. It just feels like in Australia, it's the the seasons are not as stark as they are in the northern hemisphere. Obviously. Uh, where it snows, you know? do you think? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they snow, they get like in New York, for instance, which is like my standard barometer for any. Anything mm. that I measure, um, you yeah. know, it's like ridiculously um, bitingly cold and mm-hmm. snowy in, in, in January. And, you know, in July, it's like repulsively hot. Yeah. So you have the, yeah. um, what do you call it? Like the end of the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to New York, Helen? No, I haven't. But I was in Canada once when during like one of the winter when I was in uni. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was quite depressing. Like even though I was in like Vancouver for a couple of days, but it's mm. yeah, depressingly cold and wet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't like it. Speaking of wet, yeah. I saw a movie over the weekend with mm-hmm. um, Billy, Carl, and Sally. <laughs> Shout out to Sally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we saw um, Bernadette. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Mm-hmm. Which I was. It was my. It was my sort of um, recommendation. No, it wasn't sort of. It was definitely me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so the previous evening, Billy and Kyle and I went to see another movie, which I'll talk about later. But Where'd You Go, Bernadette is Kate um, Blanchett's latest film, and I think I was excited to see it because the trailer looked very quirky and kind of like cheesy and bright. And mm-hmm. I believe that the director. No, yeah, I'll talk about the director later, but I believe the author of the novel in which this book was based also wrote I Love Huckleby or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it sounded like a very bright, cheery film. It was excruciatingly um, misogynistic, racist, classist. It was um, pathologizing mental illness amongst female female intelligentsia it was so terrible Mm -hmm. and insulting like the whole film my friends and I who were sitting like on both sides of me were just like glancing at each other kind of like laughing ridiculous laughs because it was just so openly racist in so like yeah it was terrible it was real like like I'm so ashamed that it was Richard Linklater who directed the film and Mm -hmm. he um, did one of my favorite films before sunrise, before sunset. He mm-hmm. did um, boy boyhood a couple of years ago. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke. Um, I love him, but this film really like shattered my respect for him. Mm-hmm. So have you have you read have you read the original book? Or oh my god, you know? I would not. I wouldn't even touch okay. it. After so you this wouldn't film. you wouldn't like the story itself? You think? Is that why? Is it because the story that th- you it made it that you you dislike the movie, or is it the way that it presented on? Oh the right, screen? I yeah. think both. I think both. I think mm-hmm. um, the story um, 
Like it starts off with a family, very generic um, nucleus, um, very ridiculously wealthy white family, and the daughter is around like fourteen, fifteen years old, and she suggests a a trip to Antarctica, mm-hmm. Antarctica, and the and then within the first five minutes, mm-hmm. they all agree that they will go, as though like. As, as though the decision was as easy as, do you want to go to Woolworths to get some chicken tonight? Yeah. Like, just, Antarctica, just, a trip is happens so... Happens that they have the savings of, like, what, $30,000 Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Do you know there. how much it is to go to Antarctica for yeah, one person? It's, it's like twenty five grand. Okay, then let's say... It's so... Exactly. Yeah. So, in the first five minutes, I was just like, this is repulsive. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, we were both, we were all, all four of us were like deeply like at the end of the movie, we're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you just wasted like two and a half hours. Well, no, I never like think that, that way. No, no, nothing is a waste for me, like especially mm-hmm. when I go see a movie. But Kate Blanchett, we were all like, yeah, we're not really a big fan of her. Even mm-hmm. before this film, we weren't massive, huge fans of her. Like, mm-hmm. are you, do you like Kate Blanchett? I like the way that she presents herself in different characters but I don't think in recent years I've watched enough to like make judgments right yeah. well actually we were saying that she was basically the same character as she was in Blue Jasmine you know very neurotic yeah I haven't very watched that of... one either so. oh uh-huh. right okay well that was intolerable did not like that <laughs> film um, yeah so anyway that was like totally I don't know if any of our listeners have seen the movie I would love to hear what your thoughts are but we, I did not like it at all. I just found it deeply, deeply uncomfortable and so bad for 2020. Mm-hmm. Just like there's... How old is the book? How old is the oh, story? Like, when, when I was don't the book? know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe okay, two, do you think it's very old. Okay, so it's very recent. I'd say so, yeah. Would you, would you care to give us an example of like sexist or racist? Like, okay, so... Um, yeah. So the story is of this woman named Bernadette Fox, mm-hmm. and she is. Uh, we we sort of find out throughout the film that she was a architectural genius, mm-hmm. and that got me really excited because I didn't know that going into the film. And I always find architectural people really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, slowly, we realized that she had stopped creating after she had her baby, mm-hmm. her daughter, mm-hmm. and then throughout the film she we see her behaving weirdly like she is um, not taking her medication. She is, she doesn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. Um, We like the way the film shapes her is in a way that sort of condemns her as a genius and Mm -hmm. um, condemn and sort of pathologizes her mental illness. Mm Kind of like it's always, it's it's her fault and the whole family and like a group of bunch of psychiatrists are going all around trying to fix her. Like, quote, unquote, fix her. And it's really insulting just the way that they portray this genius woman. Um, And it's also a kind of uh, battle cry between L.A. and Seattle. So the movie is set in Seattle where it's always raining. Mm -hmm. And um, how she kind of became depressed after having her baby and then also moving to Seattle because her husband, played by Billy Kudrup, Mm -hmm. um, who's, like, super handsome, but in the film is very, very basic, um, he is also a kind of creative genius. He mm-hmm. kind of invents this AI software, and it's kind of like you see. You, we learn that his um, his career kind of skyrockets after their marriage, and hers just stops. Which is very, it's very pre- prevalent, isn't it? No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Uh huh. Absolutely. So anyway, um, it's it's. I'm just surprised that Richard Linklater made such an awful basic film. Do you think and it's just presenting what's happening around the world? You know, like it's reflecting how woman. I think it, it sounds like to me, it sounds quite similar to what's the other film that Ch- Charlie Saron was in? Tully? Oh, Tully. Yeah. Oh, you're obsessed with that film. I didn't even watch it. I didn't want to watch it. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think... But I, you like, always talk about it. I always talk about it because it's so relevant to a lot of women out there. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, As in motherhood, as in, as in like right. when, when a woman enters motherhood, like... She gets mentally ill. Yeah, there's a mental well, yeah, illness involved. yeah, because they're sleep deprived. Yeah. They're always sleep deprived, right? Yeah. And just really quickly, I'll mention the other film, which was Billy and Carl's idea. We went to see The King of Staten Island, which is a Judd Apatow movie um, mm-hmm. starring Pete Davidson. 
Uh, I liked this way more than Where'd You Go, Bernadette, Mm -hmm. even though this film was about a straight white male. Um, Pete Davidson, I don't know for those... Oh, I'm sure everyone knows, actually. SNL star, um, ex-fiancé of Adriana Grande. He has a lot of tattoos on his body. And anyway, this movie was a collaboration between him and Jude Apatow, and it's loosely based on Pete Davidson's real life where he... um, about his story navigating the grief of his father who died in 9-11. His father oh, was a okay. fireman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film was really heartwarming and so beautiful. Um, I mean, I have conflicting ideas about it because, you know, everything, the women in the film all kind of fall around him mm-hmm. and um, everything works out for him in the end. You know, it sympathises and humanises um category of men where I feel like we don't need further further empathy for them because they already have so much but I'm mm-hmm. also conflicted because this is a story about a, a child uh, sorry a person who was a child when they lost their parents one of their mm-hmm. parents in on 9-11 and yeah. I don't think that you know I don't think that I should not want that kind of story because you know mm-hmm. any any story that deals with the grief of a child is a valuable story in this world so I'm not saying it's not valuable at all mm-hmm. um but, but he just uh, got a chance to talk about it because he's yeah. someone popular and famous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So maybe I'm criticizing his fame more than anything else. But it was a really beautiful film. Like I, we we came out of it really, really heart. Like our hearts were much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so nice to go back to the cinemas as well. Mm-hmm. So That's yeah, I was happy happy to return over the weekend to two films. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, so I'm like you, I've got two films and one that I dislike and one that I actually quite like. Mm-hmm. So I'm still digging through Taiwan Film Festival this week, which is going to end in two days. Okay. Um, so the first movie I'm going to talk about is Girlfriend, Boyfriend. Uh, so the story centers on like three best friends throughout their high school life and into their adulthood, combined with individual struggles of recognizing their um, own sexuality and also, they had scenes of like the fight of democracy in Taiwan. Uh, to be honest, I didn't like the film. You know, even though that they have like really powerful cast, there was this mixed guy, Radiant Von Gang, I think. He's like half, mixed race. Yeah, you say? yeah, yeah. He's like half yeah. Welsh, half Taiwanese. That is fucking sexy. <laughs> oh my god, I think is I, he hot? I, I've shown you the photo. I, I told you that he looks like Tom Cruise, like oh younger god, no, version. You have- you have okay, not I'll show you. Yeah, I'll, I'll show it to you next time. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and he's taller actually. <laughs> taller than Tom yeah. Cruise. Um, the cinematography was done very well. You know, the the scenes of the high school feels uh, kind of very olden day. Like I, I think the the status the the, set, the setting was started in like at the eighties, and mm-hmm. they slowly moving into the modern days of adulthood. Mm-hmm. But I think somewhere that it's just the it's just lost the plot. I couldn't really pinpoint, you know. The story just got into intertwined into a very bad way, like when they no. enter their adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the the story is there. The story was well well done, but it's just the way that the movie presented mm-hmm. towards the end. I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the title, Girlfriend, Boyfriend, because there's one girl and two boys. One of the guys is gay, and the guy in the middle... Like, we can't really tell throughout the whole movie whether or not that he's straight or he's bi. Because mm-hmm. he end up with the the girl. Mm-hmm. But he have these strong feelings towards the other boy because they they had always been, like, very, very good friends. Mm-hmm. When they grew up into adulthood, that the, the straight guy, let's just call him the straight guy, um, end up seeing another woman. So mm-hmm. he kind of dumped his, this girlfriend in high school. But the the girl latches on him, so she become his mistress. When even though that he got married, the guy, the gay guy who was trying to, who was struggling throughout the society of identifying himself, you know how how he can be accepted, you know in Taiwan. This is before I'll say this is before same sex marriage and all the you know acknowledgement of the homosexuality in Taiwan was legalized yeah it was legalized of course and in the movie during their adulthood the gay guy was having an affair with another married guy who was married Mm -hmm. to a woman but uh, the reason i didn't really like this story is that like toward the conclusion of the movie is that the woman got pregnant and then 
she was thinking whether or not she should abort the pregnancy, and at the end she didn't. And we just see that the whole thing just phased out with that she. You can tell that she's given up. She she gave birth to like twin girls, but she left the twin girls with the gay men to raise them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I feel like the whole movie is like okay. So you're saying it's it, to me it feels like the straight guy can fuck around like everyone else's life, and mm. the punishment was bared by the woman and the gay guy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I well, didn't. That's really always like the it. case. Yeah, unfortunately. I just want to quickly mention that if anyone wants to watch, you know, um, Taiwanese LGBTQI genre, um, I would prefer to recommend Dear X. It's still on Netflix, right, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've yeah, watched yeah. that as well, didn't you? No, I haven't. Didn't you? The one that they no. sing Bali song. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't. I don't think I have. Oh, no, I have. Sorry. That was horrifying. <laughs> that was horrifying, was that film. Was it? it? Was I just, loved it. Well, I mean, I, I loved it. It was horrifying in, in that um, it was so sad. And I, oh, I, it was okay. It just like such a yeah. discomforting. It's like the, the way that Roma was discomforting sadness. Like I like mm-hmm. there's different types of sadnesses. There's like good sadness and then there's like horrifying sadness and i feel like dear x was a horrifying sadness um also because the mother was such an excruciating character but it's reality yeah it's the reality yeah yeah what was the other film so the other film is taipei exchange Uh, i spoke to you about it last night um i feel like this is a bit more pleasant mellow like drama slash comedy it's a relatively old movie again you know um released in 2010 so the story is mm-hmm. wow, really? Yeah, it's that old? old. Yeah. Well, why is it? Why is it only showing I now? Know. I think they're only showing the movies that's won awards around the world. So you know, oh, right? Okay. The story is centering two sisters who are working together in running a cafe in Taipei. After mm-hmm. that, they have been separated into pursuing different kind of life. Where the younger sister was traveling the world, and the older sister had always been stay in Taiwan and pursuing like academic achievement yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's very it's not unusual in taiwan when you cannot afford for your child to study abroad they will like most parents would just push really hard for their kids to move Mm -hmm. upwards uh, in in high school and then in college so the characteristics of the that cafe was that the items in the cafe were not for sale you know they they collected all this useless items from yeah memorabilia from their friends when they first visit the cafe so they're not for sale but they can be exchanged through bartering system and the value of mm-hmm. individual items are determined by the sisters and you know and also the customers who desire that item i think the message of the movie was try to convey how you know the individual sentimental items cannot be deemed the equal value for everyone. Yeah. So in the movie, there was exchange in labor, there was exchange in storytelling, and even music performance for items. Um, I actually quite, uh, I think it's very heartwarming. There also during the movie, this is something that I never really seen in other movies. The director, there's a technique that I think the director did with this movie was that he inserted recordings or videos. Of people randomly on the street being asked about if you're gonna make a choice, what would you do? You know, if you're facing a dilemma. Like for example, in the movie, we see that the sisters, the during their uh, youth, they had a dilemma of they can choose to go overseas or they can continue to study. Like the mom cannot afford mm-hmm. to do, like sending them both overseas. Or yeah, so the right. mom said uh-huh. that they let them choose. Towards the end of the movie, they also have another short clip about uh, asking random people on the street saying that, uh, what's the, uh, what's one item in your life that you f- you feel is the biggest value for you? Well, for me, it's probably a book. Like I, I or actually, yeah, it's probably a physical book that I would value above everything else. I don't have any physical mm-hmm. possession that I value at, at all, to be honest. Like, I have no memorabilia. I have nothing. Like, even the ring that mum gave me, mm-hmm. I don't care about it. Not because I don't care about a gift from mum. It's just because I don't... I'm so anti... Like, I'm so... I'm not, like, one of those people who are super anti-material. Mm-hmm. But, like, I honestly think that objects matter, like, have zero value in mm-hmm. my life. The only value in my life that I... The only things that I value in my life are things that I can't mm-hmm. touch. Yeah, that's something 
That's but something like, that a lot of like the but, random yeah. people on the street that they say that, oh, uh, one thing that's the biggest value in my life is my relationship with my parents or someone's like, or to be safe or yeah. someone who's, who say like to be happy and things like that. Okay. Do you have something, What's what would you say your most valuable item is? I'd say my most valuable item is, uh, I know what you're <laughs> going to say, your fucking dogs. Besides dogs. My most valuable item. Yeah. Yeah, my most valuable item is probably Your books um, behind you. All the but that's so many books. Probably like one book in particular, which is Andrew Solomon's uh-huh. Far from the Tree. That's probably my most valuable mm. item. Because that that book is a fucking mm. godsend. Jesus Christ. Okay. Should we dive deep into what's hap- what we're yes, gonna talk about course. this week? This week, uh last week, uh what we what happened was the story of this cheese company um, called Kuhn, C-O-O-N, which has been around in Australia for From quite some time. 1935, um, I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, after decades of fighting for this change, one particular man, his name was Dr. Mm-hmm. Stephen Hagen, he um, tried to get this name changed. Um, so this cheese is like kind of basic cheese that you sprinkle on pizza or like cheddar cheese. And it's kind of I- iconic in, in the way that Vegemite or Tim Tam yeah. is in Australia. Mm. And, uh, like, I had I grew up not knowing the racial slur of Same. I didn't Kuhn, know. Um, C-O-O-N. Yeah, I did not know that ever. Um, but there's a, actually a really large history about it. Um, and so the Kuhn caricature was born during the American slavery. It's an extremely disparaging, contemptuous, and offensive racial slang that's shorthand for mm-hmm. Bakun. Um, and it's a term used to refer to a black person or a rustic or undignified mm-hmm. person. When it's used by whites, it, white people, it translates to the mm-hmm. N word. It's also been used by white people to describe black pe- a black person who is ignorant to white discrimination mm-hmm. or a black man who only dates white women, which oh, I, I didn't, didn't know, that. know about. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you had seen Django Unchained... Um, Samuel L. Jackson apparently plays a coon. Okay, so he was dating a white um, woman, like someone who's no, no, no. Um, he, he no, <laughs> not not specifically that that uh-huh. definition. Like I haven't actually seen Django Unchained because I'm so not a fan of mm. Quentin Tarantino and his character is. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. I, I've okay. heard good yeah, reviews so, about it, but I don't know what's a fuss. Oh well, yeah. he could never get a bad review. Yeah. Um, so. Um, that caricature of the coon um, was carried on throughout the 20th century through Hollywood, and it was and the and the the identity of a coon was portrayed as a lazy, easily frightened, chronically idle, inarticulate buffoon. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. the the white supremacists in Hollywood were trying to portray. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the 1900s, many white people supported the implement, implementation of the Jim Crow laws and that kind of etiquette, and they perpetuated this belief that blacks were genetically and therefore permanently inferior to whites. Um, and the first cinematic coon, the representation of this coon, appeared in 1905 um, as in a film that had this stupendously racial, racist portrayal, which moves through the decades uh, all the way through to Jar Jar Binks in the first Star Wars Phantom Menace, which I believe came out when I was in high school, but I do remember Jar Jar Binks being this clumsy, kind of, silly, yeah, can't talk properly. Yeah, and like, yeah, he was like an idiot, um, and he was made fun of, mm. um, and his ears resembled dreadlocks, oh, and so he yeah. was supposed to I never really look like a black that. person. Yeah, I never really made that connection. And, I know, yeah, but you and his skin is darker. Mm. You know, like like when I think about it, I think yeah, that's such a fucking racist. Now you mention it, you know, was it any like has anyone written about it, or yeah. oh yeah, of okay. course, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I'll be interested. In reading. I'll link a yeah, yeah. I'll link an article to that because I never um, thought about the connection of it. Like if you now you now you're talking about it, you you start thinking to make the connection how the movie portrayed like Jar Jar's their species, how they're mostly yeah, a bit more uncivilized. You know, how, Basic, the way that he yeah. eats. Food is yep. with his tongue. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. See, all these insidious ways that Hollywood operates, yeah. far out, yeah. right? As we mentioned earlier before as well, you know, with the, how they portray Asians and Chinese 
in alien. No, definitely. Yeah, this is exactly how white supremacy works、mm-hmm. and racism. Yeah, of course. It's at the f- level of culture,、mm-hmm. i.e., film.、Yeah. I think film is the most powerful, the most powerful force、uh-huh. of racism、yeah. and any other kind of discrimination.、Yeah. I really think、yeah. that. So anyway, the Coon caricature was one of the stock characters among minstrel performers. America. So, if you though, for those who don't know it, the minstrel、um, show was like an American form of entertainment that exposed whites to white people to African American music and dance that developed in the early nineteenth century. So, each show consisted of comic skits,、um, variety acts, dancing, music performances that depicted people specifically of Asian. Ah,、uh, sorry, for African descent.、Mm-hmm. And、um, often it would fall into sort of long-lasting, cruel stereotypes、yeah. that echoed through popular culture、mm-hmm. in America.、Mm-hmm. So the issue of Coon and the Cheese Company was、um, highlighted by an Australian comedian called Josh Thomas, who on Twitter had previously suggested that Coon Cheese should be renamed due to an associated, said associated. Racial slur,、mm-hmm. and、um, the a spokesman for Sap, Saputo Dairy Australia, they're the people who own Coon,、mm-hmm. had、um, previously defended the brand name, explaining that it was named after Edward William Coon. According to、uh, Dr. Stephen Hagen, the activist who's been fighting this for this change for twenty years,、mm-hmm. um, Edward Coon was an uneducated. This is. Stephen Stephen Hagen's words: an uneducated Russian immigrant who worked as a factory hand, and the patent was launched by him under his own name. That was that's the background story for Kuhn、um, Cheese, and、uh, like you know, this this move to get rid of the name has been heralded by some as like、um, cancel culture gone too far. Some people are celebrating it with all you know things that have happened、mm-hmm. around the world with you know.、Um, Mm-hmm. A lot of old episodes of blackface in America being cancelled, and you know, a lot of corporations getting on board with trying to perform this activism. But yeah, what what are, what are your thoughts on this? I think there's a like it's debatable of actual the cheese company has established before that、uh, the term "coon" has been used as a racial slur. But I think it's also debatable. Really, I don't think so. Yeah, I really yeah, don't think I so. Think that- I think the I, I think the racial slur came. Yeah, before. around before even you know at the same time when the establishment of the cheese company. But I don't. I also don't think that that matters. Like even if even if the term, even if it was racialized after, they should move with the times. Yeah, that's right. I think I really think that they should move with the times. The statement that I saw on their website. Can I just quickly read out?、Uh, sorry, the、mm. Saputo、uh, Dairy Company. Yeah, I bought it. I bought. I oh, I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> I did. <laughs> Shit! Am I supporting them? Okay. Anyway, so this is their statement about their intention. Because I will only say intention now because they haven't done it. So the statement says, "As Saputo, one of our basic principles." As an organization, is to treat people with respect and without discrimination, and we will not condone behavior that goes against this. As such, we performed a careful and diligent review of a sensitive situation involving one of our brands. We wanted to ensure we listened to all the concerns surrounding the Kuhn brand name, while also considering comments from consumers who cherish the brand and recognize the origin of its founder, Edward. William Kuhn, which、uh, they feel connected to, after thorough consideration, Saputo has decided to retire the Kuhn brand name. We are working to develop a new brand name that will honor the brand affinity felt by our value consumers while al- aligning our current attitudes and perspectives.、Mm. We believe we all share in responsibility to eliminate racism. In all its forms, and we feel this is an important step we must take to uphold this commitment. So, what do you think about that? I think it's very performative,、mm-hmm. to be honest. I, I think unless that you actually changed, unless that I've stopped seeing that name, and get rid of and get rid get rid of the products of off the shelf, is that what you're saying? Isn't that going to be a huge? Uh, I don't know about getting rid of the products. No, I, it's, it's still relevant. No, to I mean cheese. It's not. It's got nothing no, to do with the cheese itself. No, but I mean, like, what do you what, do, what do you、name. want to see happen right now? Are you saying that you want? I want to see them. They have a well. New then name, that means that you, you want、know? them to take off the 
the current existing products off the shelf. That's what oh, you're saying, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's yeah. going to solve the yeah. problem, though. Well, so? Because, what like, where think? is all that? How many how many existing packets of Coon are there out there and how much is that going to go to waste if they just remove it immediately? Shouldn't it be sold out? I don't know. I think there will be like a transition of moving to have the products present in the new packaging. Yeah. So I don't know how long that's yeah, going to be. Yeah. Like, and because the company they haven't, stay, they, haven't given a timeline, have they? Timeline, yeah, that's right. Because the, you know, this statement just came out last yeah, Friday. Yeah. And how long are we going to wait until we see the new packaging of this, the cheese, yeah. how slow people are going to take. And of course, with COVID situation, yeah. everything's going to yeah. be slow. But it shouldn't take that slow. You shouldn't take that time because it has been, well, apparently what um, Dr. Hagen has been, yeah, taken 20 years for him to, you know, lodge his kind of co- uh, I'm just thinking, yeah. like, can you give me an example of a racial slur against ra- Asian people? Chinks. Let's just say that, right? Okay. Chinks. So imagine if there was a brand of um, soy milk. No, mm-hmm. let's, let's not say soy milk. Let's say there's a brand of chocolate mm-hmm. and it was called Chinks. How would that make you feel? I mean, have you been called Chinks? No. Okay, well, give me give me an example of something that someone has said to you that has been racist against you as an Asian. I, I'm finding it hard to come up with a slur that I've encountered, to be honest, because it's usually behaviours rather than slurs. Okay, let's just say yellow face. Okay, yellow face. Do I you wouldn't think that's... like it. Like, like, I'm not showing much emotion to it because, like, I've got a thick face now. So, But I wouldn't like it in the sense of what I'm reading the discourse and the discussions on Facebook about this kind of issues. The discourse and comments I've seen in different publishing outlets, you know, provide a very different response to this news, you know. Like, for example, the Australian, uh, the comments in their Facebook of this news is rather, I, I feel like it's rather negative. Uh, Helen, them. it's the Australian. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm giving, you the, I'm giving you the perspective. Like, I'm giving the, our listeners a perspective also. There's two sides and... Oh, by the way, for those who don't know, the Australian is a... Um, right wing. <laughs> nationwide, very, very, very conservative yeah. um, publication. Yeah. Um, you know the comments are just saying that, oh, why would a Dr. Hagen waste in all the decades for this campaign and... Some, you know, like you said, that some comments mentioned that it's political correctness gone wrong and emphasized. Yeah, it's emphasized in that it has nothing to do with racism. It's fundamentally mm-hmm. the funder's surname. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. basically like I feel. Okay, if you talk, you start talking about removing or changing the name. Okay, I, I feel like okay, good, that's a start. And their response is that it's calling the political correctness gone wrong. I feel like it's. They're telling the marginalized and oppressed people to st- stop feeling offended. Exactly. Exactly. And all those people who are saying that it's gone too far are white people. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, you're, you're not the one. Why would you feel offended? What, what do you have the right to tell us? Because they don't how... want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, true. That's the yeah. thing. White people mm-hmm. do not like to feel un- discomfort. Whereas, like, that's the only thing you and I have ever felt, you know? I felt my mm-hmm. whole life has been in this body, as uh, like, you know, 30 years of discomfort. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> my gosh, like, try and get used to that. Jeez. Um, yeah. But I'm kind of of two... There's two things I want to say. Firstly, it matters because language matters, okay? Mm-hmm. But then also, yes. secondly, um, I want to quote... I want to quote Malcolm X in this point. He says... The white man will try to satisfy us with symbolic victories rather than economic equality and real justice. Mm. So I feel like, you know, everything that's gone on since George Floyd has been corporate symbolic victories. Like mm. in the US, there's this ter- there's this charge to try and get rid of the term master bedroom, you know, because of the master mm-hmm. slave connotations. Yeah. That I feel like is a symbolic victory, although also it's, it matters because language matters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, what happens in this capitalist society is corporations are very, very extremely good at doing, at, at turning adversity into and commodifying it. And that's what we yeah, see is happening. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of black people want is what really matters is, you know, um, the overabundant rate of incarceration, the social justice system in the States. They want reconciliation and reparations. 
they want real change. Like these things that we're talking about, like the renaming of things, like brands, it matters. But it's it's like the ice. I don't know if I if, I don't know if this is a great analogy, and maybe it's a completely terrible analogy. But I see it. I'm just making this up on the spot. I see it as like the icing. Like it looks like change is happening because that's what you see. Uh, around the cake and yet when you dig deep into the crux of the or the essence of a cake like you eat a cake not for the icing but for the actual spongy part of it right that's what really matters Mm -hmm. that's how Mm -hmm. a cake should be judged um that Mm -hmm. is where real change should occur right yes yes Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like i'm exhausted about talking you know roses and yeah. How people being ignorant about understanding what's really behind this whole fucking shit struggles. Like you talk about, the, you know, the metaphor of using a cake. Because I was just talking to my friend. Mm. Like I was chatting to my friend uh, yesterday afternoon, like on one of our chat rooms. And he just amazes me how much that I have to do to tell people about it's not about words. It's not only about words. You know, it's about all this systematic oppression, systematic racism one of my friends just don't get it it's just i don't know why oh, you're friends so, with them <laughs> I, i'm trying to educate people here <laughs> anyway oh um, god is she is she white your friend no she's asian she's asian this is the danger here okay this is the danger here what i'm seeing asian immigrants like us who doesn't get enough information and they just absorb things around themselves and also they read very limited media and or they, don't they read hear it all. yeah or they don't read it all of course and they get their stories from a very like narrow group of people and they make up their mind about how the society works an example okay i'm just gonna give you an example when an asian immigrant okay arrives in australia and the first thing they see around um around her community is that okay there's white people there's different type of people and she's she or him start making rankings of individual race of people you know she would dislike indians because they don't because they're the taxi drivers and the shopkeepers yeah yeah, yeah. The so there's a there's a there's certain, a hierarchy, there's a hierarchy that yeah of course yeah good that yeah. you explained it for me and then for indigenous people she would often question why they are usually the one that gets in trouble mm. and why are they the one who hangs around the streets. Yeah, homeless. And why are Hand they the one who are um, drag addicts, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So I'm trying to explain to these people saying that, okay, they didn't fall into that um, situation because – they chose to do that yeah. because yeah. there's a huge history behind it mm. that you really need to read about it, yeah. understand yeah. about yeah. the um, massacre, the first settlers. and Exactly. But they, they prefer not to do it. They prefer to <sighs> choose not to read up the history. But one, one, I think one problem is that a lot of this kind of history are not available in other languages. So it's not accessible for those people with, you know, English as second language. So they immediately thought that, oh, okay, this is how I perceive them. You know, I'm going to just judge them because they had all those years to make change, but they choose not to. And I'm trying to explain that, oh, because the government's not doing enough yet and they refuse mm. to take up that kind of, you know, thinking. Are you saying that there are no books? Are you saying that there are no books available in oh. Chinese that explains... Or any articles? There are, no, are you saying there are no books or articles or literature out there that explains the Australian genocide history in Chinese? Is that what you're saying? I don't think there, there is yet. But even with the BLM movement in US, like when I was looking in through, um, you know, the Asian Creative Network, there were a lot of members that were asking, oh, can anyone find any sources that I, like in Vietnamese or in Chinese mm. or in Korean mm. that I can show to my parents to explain that, mm. you know, the the actual meaning and the truth behind all this because my parents yeah. who's been here for like 30 years have no mm. idea yeah. and they actually hate black people yeah. like, for yeah. no reason at all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's repulsive. 
I don't understand anyone who's not interested in history. Mm. I hate them. People who don't uh, are not interested or curious in history. I'm just like, what kind of person are you? And what's worse <laughs> is that, what's worse is that I feel like when they're talking about, oh, that's all the past, you know, you've got to move forward. What? And oh I'm just God. thinking, gosh, it's like, okay, you can, you can move forward faster than anyone else, but everyone recovers differently. You can't expect something that happens. That's not even the point, though. For like, like you're speaking two hundred years. Yeah, I'm talking about the whole. It's a, it's a systemic institutionalized oppor- op- oppression. That's what's happened. It's yeah, not, which is still yeah, happens yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. It still happens now, and they don't see it. They just don't yeah. See well, it. a lot of people. I, I guess because some people are in such a privileged position, like they don't see it, or they they choose. Oh yeah, not to I see think it. most people choose not to see it. Definitely, yeah, because it makes uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Exactly. I wouldn't really want to do what you do and explain. That's why I've actually just given up on. Like I last week, I told you about this friend, high school friends who I've given up on, mm. and I can't be bothered <laughs> to explain to them how offensive their views are. I literally can't. I just step away from it. I walk away from it. Uh, because like during our chat yeah. last night there was one friend just left a message like she she was supporting like what I was supporting as well she just left a message is that I cannot continue with this argument I'm leaving yeah. that's why she left as in in a very like joking for a way but I, I can tell that she just had enough I realized that what's most important for myself in my life is um my own well-being and I remember, yeah. like, this particular person I'm talking about, um, she she gave me something that showed there was a huge gesture, an immense gesture that no one has actually mm-hmm. given to me before, and it was a gesture of love. Um, and I find that week after week after receiving this gesture, I discovered that I cannot return it because um, I just don't have the space to do it. Um, it's not my job to do that, and I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to, and I feel ashamed about it because she's Asian, and um, mm. I talked to Billy and Kyle about it, and Billy, who is just like, oh my god, he's literally got my my <laughs> just I cannot even start to describe him. He's just Billy always have the words. Oh of my wisdom. god, I <laughs> love him so much. It hurts. Anyway, so Billy, um, he said, um to tell her because this friend of mine is deeply homophobic she's he said why don't you go back to her and say do you know your views are like imagine like the way the australian people treated asians in the 70s and 60s it's like that Mm -hmm. how would you like it if you know people went around and said yeah asians are just like not majors are the reason why the world is fucked up and i was like oh my god yeah Mm -hmm. that's so clever um but you know i I yeah i say something like that to you as well yeah, <laughs> that's all right. It's just like, um, like replacing her yeah otherness, uh, type, yeah. yeah otherness onto herself. I just, yeah, yeah. But I think it will be really. Hard. I don't. I can't be bothered. Yeah, simple as that. I'm too lazy, yeah. and I'm owning my laziness. Okay, I have too many friends yeah. who are, like are changing the world for the better to focus my attention on than dealing with mm-hmm. people who just have really fucked up views. Anyway. I I do believe that it's such a vicious cycle, you know, what the whole society and government is doing to the minorities. You know, uh, particularly in in this situation, in this context, we're talking about Indigenous and Torres Strait Mm. Island children, you know, like from the earliest settlement, colonialism, you know, history of massacre, and now the mass incarceration. You know, I, 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 I try to urge everyone, like, around me to really dig into Australia history but don't listen to what the government say you know all the time and maybe just try to do some critical thinkings by yourself a lot of people don't a lot of people don't like thinking especially you know i'm talking from a perspective of australian asian you know the progress is showing but i don't think there's enough acknowledgement you know apart from my, my one of my friend uh, the chat from yesterday i've still seen some of the asians like Chinese, okay, mm. they they use the derogatory term. I don't want to say it, it's ABO, like they they say it in oh, Chinese. Right, yeah, don't yeah. say it. Don't say it. Yeah, and they think it's okay to use them. That's disgusting. Like they literally yeah. like phonetically translated into Chinese. Yeah, 
and many still don't understand. Like, oh, yeah. why, why can't I use it? Oh, you know, oh, man, really, Jesus? Oh, yeah, that's just so. That's horrifying. Like every time I see this, like the term is used in the discussion. Like I, I mention it, I saying that okay, it's inappropriate. You know, and they don't feel that it's wrong. So that's from the Australian Asians side, but also I think there's still a lot of like we we think that it doesn't really happen to us around, but um it does happen. Remember, I don't know if you remember that our sisters told us the story from her colleague. This is like her colleague, like she's a teacher. The teacher was like teaching about Aboriginal history, the massacre, and things like that.、Yeah. And the child goes、oh. back, and one of the students went home and talked about this at their home, and then the、mm-hmm. father refuses to acknowledge that the white people did it wrong. Okay, that's fucked up. I think I remember you telling me this. And、yeah. then the the father went to the, the the school and spoke to the teachers. Like, why are you teaching this in history to my child? You know, I don't want my child to. No, the white people fucking massacred. The, you know, the average. And the child was white. I think the child's mixed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the teacher says, "But I'm I'm telling the truth here, and I'm teaching the kids history. You know, what's wrong with that? This is a young teacher anyway.、Yeah. And apparently,、yeah. the dad removed his child from the school, as in transfer、mm. the child from to the other school. That's a that's absolutely abhorrent. Yeah. yeah, some people just do not like. Tr- the truth, like I got fired from a school in the eastern suburbs after I came back from the Middle East talking about the wall mm, separating mm-hmm. Israel with Palestine. God, that was a horrifying incident, but like really funny in hindsight. So we're talking about you know、um, how we tackle racism and all that.、Um, there's a, another element that I want to talk about is that performative anti-racism. How we see like business posting statements like we're in align with social justice movement to support BLM,、yeah. and we're saddened、yeah. by the news of George Floyd, etc., etc. You know, I think the statement、mm. like this are great, but by no means they are wrong. But I want to really question like what are the businesses doing apart from doing this kind of or nothing? Uh, 嘴嘴炮 <laughs> mouth cannon. You know, trash、yeah. talk about it. Puffing. Yeah, yeah. it's vacuous puffing. It's like mandatory. It's like social social corporate consciousness is now a mandatory、uh-huh. part of every single business. Yeah.、Um, but at the end of the day, we can't forget that all these business businesses, their bottom line is to make money. Yeah, yeah. So whatever they will do to make sure that they don't lose money, they will do. I mean, do you know that I I feel like when the businesses are printing out this this kind of statement, I want to ask them that. Okay, so. Do you have like equal numbers of,、um, of course not, <laughs> like black people in your, yeah, in, in your company? Are you is your、uh, recruitment, <laughs> recruitment like procedures, uh, not discriminating any type of people and things like that? You know, yeah, yeah, and how diverse yeah. is、think- your company and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other day, oh yeah. So I went to a hip hop jazz class the other night. I've been going a lot.、Um, Both to the Sydney Dance Company and、um, the one near me in Central,、mm-hmm. and、um, every what's been really stark is, I mean, these classes are not cheap.、Mm-hmm. They're like almost thirty dollars for each class, and so they're not cheap. And every single week that I go,、um, there's always either only、uh, white people or Asian women who、okay. go, or Asian mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. gay Asian men.、Mm-hmm. And I've always found that really interesting. I mean, I don't know how I got to this subject. I think th- what we haven't really talked about is this idea of like the reason why we don't have a lot of, say, Indigenous people in universities or like in those areas where it costs a lot of money.、Mm-hmm. To access、mm-hmm. is because of like it's a class thing, yeah, it's a、course. money thing.、Yeah. It's all it all comes like、mm, yeah, it all comes down to that. I would say like、mm-hmm. money, class. That is a divide that people are not in a more explicit way when it comes to race.、Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason. Like I, I look around the area that I live in in the inner west of Sydney and. You know, I've become much more since like talking to you in the last couple of months. I've become much more aware of the Asians that I meet、mm-hmm. in my everyday kind of circles, and、um, I meet them either they're the guys on the bikes, okay, or the women on the bikes delivering Uber,、mm-hmm. delivering food to you know the inner west rich people, 
um, myself included. Although, like, I don't remember the last time I ordered Uber Eats. Or they, there's this, like, there are a couple of Asians in their 50s and 60s that I see opening the garbage cans on my street once a week because they're collecting the, the bottles, bottles recycling. For, yeah. for recycling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that they get a couple of dollars from each. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of, like, some of them remind me of my parents. And it always makes me kind of really sad seeing them because they're the only Asians I see besides the ones at, you know, dance classes. Mm. It's really strange. I think it might be intergenerational thing as well. Maybe the older Asians are made more frugal and they're not willing to spend money onto what we're or what you're spending now. Like if you tell Mm. our parents how much that you're spending on our, on the, um, Dance classes. Dance classes, yeah. Do you think they will, like, their priority is different? Yeah. Anyway, uh, another thing that I want to mention is that um, all this be the Black Lives Matter men picked up a couple of articles that I read today. There's an opinion mm-hmm. editorial by, I'm going to pronounce this right, Al Jazeera. <laughs> I can never pronounce it. I can never pronounce it. Yeah. Say it with me. Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, of course yeah. you know it. Um, by Zambi Manai. Um, she's a South African law student. Uh, she's written mm. the article um, about how she feel of Black Lives Matter movement. And she said that, I'm, and I quote, the power of social media as an outlet to organize and build transnational movement for social and political change is undeniable. However, there is still more work to do to build real effective transnational solidarity. Also, another obstacle to transnational solidarity is the fact that while the fusion of social media and social justice has become more prevalent, we still rely heavily on Western medias to deem what issue, tragedy or calamity is worth of social outrage. You know, she, she highlights that the American, of course, once again initiated the movement, but the spotlight has exactly. not shined on other countries' racism issues. You know, for example, our, our own, very own Australian First Nation people. And in, and in Taiwan, yeah, in, in China. Taiwan, China. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Like, mm. there are people in our family, I'm not going to name names. There <laughs> you are say people that in our every family week. Who are, who are deeply no no I'm really not saying anyone in particular but there are people in our family like I'm I think I think I'm a racist mm, I do definitely yeah. I think there's all yeah, a bit I, of races in everyone you cannot say that yeah not. and I hate that I hate yeah it's yeah. I'm a racist I'm a hideous I'm a luxist but I want to yeah. get rid of all those but it things. depends how how you approach and how you manage yourself to I don't know slowly yeah. make the progress to change and also, um, when she was when I read her piece, I was just thinking about you know yesterday's protest in Sydney. You know, I was I am mm. so I'm curious about how why is the, the protest the BMM protest in Sydney was led by a white man mm. who was arrested. So my friend yeah. James went, and okay. he's friends with his he's friends with the organizer. Okay, yeah, I think six people were arrested. Yeah, six people um, were arrested. And yeah, hundreds of people gathered. So I, I feel good. I'm I'm kind of suspicious how like media moves around and controls the discourse of the Black Lives Matter in Australia. You know, lo- not enough people mm. have read that it's actually uh, there was like a demand for opening the investiga- investigation for um, one of the indigenous men, uh, David Dungay mm. Junior. And yep, his nephew, yep. Paul Silver, has indicated that if Premier consent to open up the investi- investigation, he's willing to call over the protest. But of course, there's nothing came out from the government of doing yep. anything. So I think it's like yep. they manipulate this protest to yep. flay up their emotions, to continue the protest, which actually makes them look bad during this COVID situation. Makes who look bad? The protesters, because you see so much discourse about like calling them that they're selfish because it's during COVID, you shouldn't be doing this, you're risking everyone's life. I was just thinking, okay, indigenous people are the most vulnerable one if they got, get caught in this COVID, you know, mm. disease. Mm. Yeah. You have really got to question why that, you know, you have footy, church, restaurants opening up, but the media and the police are targeting on this particular event. Yeah. Well, locally, um, Carriage Works in Everly were... It's like very close to where I live. It's opening up apparently. Mm-hmm. So you know the rich white people get their 
uh, fermented organic soy um, tempehs um, on the weekend, but uh, you know, protesting mm. is is banned. Yeah, <laughs> therein lies the priorities of this rich, great nation. Yeah, and there was there was also another strike up on like north of where I live, Warnervale. There was a couple of like Woolies workers. They're protesting about that their pay is not equal to the Sydney workers. And we're just thinking, right, okay, no right. one have said about like there. There's no, I don't see them wearing masks from the photos that they're not. They don't have any mask. Whereas compared to mm. the the protest yesterday, they have full on masks and they say they're drenched in hand sanitizers. But where's the like the people who's on strike up on Warnervale? They don't have masks on, but I don't see anyone calling out them of endangering people during the COVID situation. Just like I guess, just to wrap up, I feel like. The older I get, the more I'm like, there's got to be a better, healthier way, more productive way to channel my anger mm. and efficiency. Yeah. What are your final words? Um, I think, like every time if I talk about Indigenous issues, I always tell people to go and read Dark Email by Bruce Pascoe and you're sick of me okay. saying that. Okay. <laughs> you know, because it's got like really good histories of first Australians, you know, their way of living mm. prior to the like prior and during the settlers' arrivals and their agricultural, economical and their social establishments. Is Bruce indigenous? Yes, he is. Yeah, of course there was a debate debate earlier this year, but yeah, it's been brushed off. They are absolutely civil, you know. They were made uncivilized by the settlers, you know, and the perception of being uncivilized was were created by the whites. Oh, all of English language has been created by white people. Yeah, and, and its I th- definitions. I think there's enough like books, well, at least English books and podcasts and YouTube channels that devote in discussion of indigenous culture and history, and people will just stop complaining, you know, just. I have to say, yeah, I have to say, you do make an excellent point when you said that a lot of Australian history has not been translated to other languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anyone point that out. That's really, really something. Yeah, maybe we I should look we, into you that. You and I can discuss, yeah. yeah, further. Yeah, by ending the podcast today, I was just going to. Uh, quickly say two things. First is the um, World Economic Forum, the suggestion of how to be allies. You know, um, there's four points. So, understand the system. Systematic ra- racism goes beyond beyond you know history. Uh, speak up about racism. Target racism in education. Petition and petitions and political engagements. So those are the four points. And mm-hmm. I want to end the podcast with uh, how I educate my kids. <laughs> I was just going to okay. bring up um, our incident at our brother's place about, what, was it two years ago? Oh, my God, two years. So I, uh, Helen's daughter was five years old at this point. And yeah. we, we were, were going. Take, yeah, uh, you go ahead. Yeah, we were talking around taking her because our brother was loaded. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and he lives like right by the water and around Sydney Harbour. And we were taking him, taking Aya, Helen and I were taking Aya at five years old around the foreshore walk. And there was a, you know, around the foreshore walks, they have, it's like a beautiful, um, beautiful walk and they have signs, mm-hmm. sort of like small signs around the fauna and flora explaining, explaining kind of like the history and also the background of the plants around that place. And Aya stopped um, at one of the pictures, um, a sign where there was a picture of... An indigenous uh, person. Yeah, who was like, it was an honest portrayal of indigenous people and um, their... Uh, how they looked during, like, I think it was, like, 1901 or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. around Federation time, yeah. Yeah. And then what happened? And then she looked at her, like, she she giggled. And then she pointed pointed at her and then she walked away. And we were, I was trying to get an idea of what she was, like, giggling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she, like... It took a really long time. Like she, you can tell that she feels like it's funny, but it's also kind of shameful yeah. of it's, telling yeah, us. Yeah, it's shameful to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then we were, we were like trying to get it out from her. And yeah, then finally we were like, she why said, "Why are you laughing?" Yeah, yeah. And finally she said, "Oh no, I can't say it. It's really rude. Rude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a really bad it's word." Really bad and then word. we were like, oh "What's God. the okay, word what's start the with?" Word? And she goes, "Oh, yeah. it starts with N." And we, we both were <laughs> petrified. <laughs> We were like, how does she know that term at yeah. five years old? Yeah, I know. I was thinking, fuck, where did you get that That's from? That's really fucked. Yeah. I know, yeah. 
And then, <laughs> then on the way back, we saw the sign again. So we keep telling her.、Uh, we, we were trying to. We were telling her that okay,、uh, just don't use the word or something like that because we thought. Yeah, because we assumed it was the bad. Yeah, we、N-word. assumed it was、yeah. the bad N word. And she goes, oh, okay. And then for at some point of time, she told us the word that she was referring to was, which was <laughs> naked. <laughs> Like、uh, we such classic IR. Yeah, yeah. We were thinking, oh my god, okay. So she was. How、meaning. does she know that? Yeah, yeah. And then it, it's it's just something that, if I should call it trivialized, but it's just like at that moment, both of us were so petrified. We're thinking, yeah, we were like, how the hell did she? Yeah, know that word to describe that person? And yeah, I yeah. I feel it like、awful. it was also awful for me that I feel like I I should have educated her earlier about this, right, but I didn't right, know right. where she got it from. <laughs> At the end, she was talking about naked. <laughs> God, that's such a great story. But later, I actually told her the ex- the the bad N word used on black people. I told her about the back the history of it, and okay, I、yeah. want her to acknowledge that it is bad, the worst word in the world. Yeah, the yeah. worst word in the world. And I want her to know that、um, she use shouldn't use it. You know, of course,、yeah. I hope that she doesn't use it. And also, she needs yeah, to know、yeah. if she hears, she needs to call that person out. Well, let's hope she does.、Yeah. All right, it was great to chat for another week, and I will、yeah. see you guys next week for another pod. Yeah, remember to subscribe and send、mm-hmm. us feedbacks and rate us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Helen. It was nice to chat. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, bye for now. Okay, bye. bye.